Okay, welcome to another episode of Roll or Die. Today we are going down to the Apple Isle once again. We have for you our friend, uh, Black Belt, head coach of Hobart Martial Arts, Jerry wow. Young. How you going? Good to meet you. Great Good to see you. Welcome. Great to Thanks see you for too, joining man. us. Oh, your dog's coming to join the podcast too. What's the dog's name? Come on, Spurns, quick. In your bed, quick. In your bed. <laughs> Now, what's the dog's name? Jasper, but Jasper. You know, they're, never, they're never their names. So Jasper became Jasperoons and that became Spruins. Mm-hmm. So oh, Spruins. Yeah. The same thing happened with my kids, man. Like, I don't ever want to yeah. go down the path of the amount of names that they've had, but yeah, I completely understand. Yeah. <laughs> All yeah, right, but enough about yeah. dogs. Let's do let's... Australian culture, really, Australian culture. <laughs> That's right, brother. That's right. So where do we want to start today? First of all, your hair game is very strong, bro. I'm jealous of your oh, hair yeah. and uh, and your belt. COVID hair. <laughs> COVID hair. No, I've known you always with that hair, Jerry. Don't lie. I'm pretty sure it's always been around there, hasn't it? I reckon if you stalk my Facebook, you'd see different ears. Mm. Yeah, right. Maybe so. Yeah, it's hard to remember a time before COVID, isn't it? So, yeah, we can't yeah. even remember. And let's... What it really is is my last kind of flirt with having hair. Like it's a little kind of thin there <laughs> and it's grey a bit and so I don't know. I'm kind of – I look like Anton soon, but for now I'm sort of doing my best. It's a challenge, isn't it? Like there is this kind of like as as we grow – as we age gracefully or ungracefully, yeah. like I, I just feel like, okay, at what point do I give up and let it – just let it go? Like not my head – like, like yeah, at what point do I just stop caring? Is there a point in time, you know, yeah. like where, where I'll, I don't know, stop plucking grey hairs out when I see them or whatever, you know, like who knows? Like, like it's a real challenge for me to just decide when do I just give up the resistance to growing older, you know? <laughs> so, exactly. And, yeah. um, you, 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 you – um, it's around the time that you stop competing in adult division. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's that's occurring for both of us, I'd say, Anton, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, oh, what's so the, what's the mentioned... oh, Sorry, go, you go, Kim. Oh, no, no, I was just going to say, you mentioned about COVID, Jerry, but let's face it, in Tassie, you guys didn't really have a whole lot of restrictions no, no. for very long. Um, it's a funny, it was a funny thing, like... Um, I remember, I think we were out of business, if you like, for about three and a half months. There were three months, three and a half, something around that. And then, you know, once it started back up, it was um, a bit hard, but it was okay. But, I mean, I looked at the, the situation in Victoria and it was just hard. Now, I don't know how you guys yeah. kept your sanity. And, and, and other things, I don't know how a lot of you stayed in business. Like, yeah. you know, there's not that much room for um you know there's not that much room to before you run out of money you know and yeah yeah the government um, were throwing little tidbits at businesses but it was such a small amount you know it really wasn't enough to keep most of them afloat i think that with jiu-jitsu clubs from what i understand a lot of the members kind of continue paying their membership fees i think it's well, um, come back to that <laughs> sense of community that was hard. A lot of them straight up wanted to. A lot of them didn't. And I had to really think about it because um, how do you do it? You know, and because and it, it was indefinite, you know, at the time. It's like, 
am I asking you to pay me kind of indefinitely? And that's pretty hard. And I remember I sort of said, if you don't want to keep paying, don't. That's fine. If you do, that's wonderful too. And I said to people, you can opt to pay me if you like, and that makes me very happy and makes us all happy, the whole community. But also I said, if you want to pay and then keep it in credit for later or something, you can. But, of course, I didn't want to create a hit later either. Yeah. So yeah. with some people, they opted to pay for a given period of time and then, you know, for how long the lockdown wind up being. And yeah. then they used that credit at a half rate once we opened. So they sort of, once we reopened, they kept paying, but at a half rate for twice yeah. as long. And there was things like that. It was difficult too because... I don't know how many other people experienced this, but like, you know, we, you know your, gym, your, your payments and stuff are set up on direct debits and whatnot. And a couple of people I know, the companies that ran their direct debits turned them all off, just counseled them, even though the, the clients wow. opted. They just said, yeah. well, you're not providing the service that you say you do, so we're not going to do the payments. And I thought, mm. hang on, but you don't get to define what my service is. Like, yeah. I mean, because that's how I view like if a client like or a customer or a student or have you what word you want to use approaches me and says I want to train and they pay the membership, I'm not charging them a membership for lessons. Like mm. charging them a membership to be part of the gym. And yeah. it's the gym being there and operating. And truthfully, if you like if Anton doesn't come to class today, that doesn't mean that what he's paying for isn't there. You know, you're paying yeah. for it. Yeah. There's a bunch of angry purple belts on the mat getting ready to pick you up next time. That's what yeah. you're paying for. That's and, true. Uh, Space. Yeah. Yeah. And it is. You know, and I, I think also, Jerry, you touched on something else there that it isn't just about the classes as well in within jiu-jitsu. Like it is sort of that community and that and and that feeling, I suppose, that you get as well. I suppose in a weird way you pay for that as much as you're paying for the classes. Well, you, you do, and I mean, there's no like Tasmania or Hobart, say, probably has. There's a lot of smaller clubs, and there's some big, you know, bigger ones like mine. But I'd say there's call it ten for for argument's sake in Greater Hobart, and there is clubs in you know, there's a lot of people who love my classes and really enjoy them, and there's other people who wouldn't enjoy my classes and they prefer to go to a different environment. There's probably yeah two or three other environments that offer a different kind of training, which, I mean, all the kinds of training that are offered here, I think are pretty good. Like, I mean, I haven't been to every gym or anything, but I think they're all pretty good. But people who come to me want the vibe that I have. You know, yep. it's, it's almost, it's actually probably hard to describe, if you know what I mean, what kind of vibe it is. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, you know, whereas, like, yeah, it's definitely a vibe where, Everyone's welcome. I'm not not one of those gyms where, you know, only the tough survive kind of attitude. Like I want to bring up everyone if I can. Yeah. But, you know, awesome. I mean, but every every gym's a bit different in that way. Yeah. Well, yeah, I um I love that, and I actually just on the COVID thing, one of my businesses didn't survive, and I like I lost yeah. personally, I lost about three hundred k. But what I and I'm still paying parts of that off. But what I um what I actually got through all of that and how the business has survived in my view was that pretty much everything's a conversation in these crisis times. You know, rent is a conversation. 
paying bills and the way to pay those bills is a conversation. You know, everything becomes a conversation. And I and I just I think that's how people did survive. They actually did deals with their landlords because the landlords didn't want to lose the tenants, for example, because who's going to take it up anyway? You know, so it all becomes this massive conversation. You know, tenants to landlords, landlords to banks. It's an on and on it goes. And I guess we will feel I'm still feeling the impacts of it, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. I learned the most valuable three hundred thousand dollar lesson I could ever learn out of that. You know, so it's like it's like the school of hard knocks. But yeah, um, I mean, it's like so, having my um. I've got a you know, jujitsu people get hurt, and yeah. uh, I've had a few injuries, but um, you know, my shoulder reconstruction is my biggest one, and I don't, I honestly don't think I could say that I wouldn't have the same injury again if given mm. the choice. Got it. I'm a better person for it. Yeah. In a lot of ways. I hear you. I just wish it hurt as much, you know. Absolutely, man. I'm right there with you. Right there with you. And yeah. Jerry, turning the conversation back a bit to jiu-jitsu. So you mentioned about like your classes and, and your club and things like that. What do you think makes a good club or makes a good class? Like what what would you be looking for if you walked in as a student? What what do you think? Yeah, it's a good, it's an interesting one. I was talking to a student the other day about this because, see, in, in jiu-jitsu, you know, we're all used to this um, attitude in jiu-jitsu that we love jiu-jitsu, it's a lifestyle, it's a culture, all that sort of stuff. But I was thinking about it, like, granted, I'm not 20 anymore, but honestly, I don't know that I love jiu-jitsu enough to say that I'd be happy in any school. Like, what I see in certain schools I don't think I'd enjoy and what I see in other schools I would love it really depends on the environment so what I'm trying to do is create an environment where people can practice the jiu-jitsu they want to practice without um you know without taking away from the enjoyment of everyone else and honestly the only people who don't like the environment that I have I think, I mean, I'm not going to put words in other people's mouths, but I think the only people who don't really like that environment are people who um, don't know how to value other people. You know, if someone only wants to put themselves ahead of other people, then they may not like it. Because I do expect that, like, if you're a purple belt in my club, I expect that you will bring up a white belt and help them. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you, and if there's a, you know, like a, a 12-year-old's kind of coming up into teenage into teenage years and they're coming to an adult class now, well, then that means you've got to look after them. Absolutely. And it doesn't matter the age or the anything else. Everyone needs to respect each other. And if you don't, then then you're being selfish. And I love that. That's awesome, man. That is a, that, that is a great cultural kind of um, pillar, you know, if that makes sense. And you can go a bit further with that too. Like, so my, the other part of my world is you know, I do um, hands-on therapy. Like I'm a, I started with massage and I go into other things. I practice orthogonomy. I do other um, yeah, hands-on work. And one thing that's taught me is about the importance of safety, like within your nervous system. Mm. You know, if you're not safe, if you're in like a trigger response or a fight-flight response, something like that, your capacity to heal, your capacity to stay comfortable, your capacity to learn, all of those things are, are really limited. Yeah. You know, and a person who's traumatised or a person who's 
um, frightened or whatever else isn't learning. Mm-hmm. And so I even take that into Muay Thai, into the fighters, you know, they're, they're into their practice. So I'm saying to them, you can spar hard after you've learned. But mm-hmm. if you are sparring hard before you learn, then you're in fight flight, you're not learning. You know, you don't you don't learn in fight flight. You only reinforce. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so what are you reinforcing? You're reinforcing your instincts. And if your instincts aren't productive to the fight, then or whatever it is we're learning, you know, and then they're not not helping. So how do I foster a safe environment or an environment where we can, you know, maintain our sort of intellectual sense of self? Does that mean that we don't spar hard? No, nope. we spar very hard. You know, we have good hard roles. We, we, we do really get after it. But I try to build up to that so that you can do it in a conscious state, not in a, not in a bite-flight state. Love it. Powerful, man. Awesome. Um, I noticed that obviously you're in a very zen type environment this morning and uh, you came into this uh, with your name as uh, Kath Brown, I believe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? So uh, I presume Kath Brown is your partner and uh, it seems like, she, and I think you said she's a yoga instructor. So love to know about, you know, how you balance out yoga and BJJ. Do you do any yoga? Um, and, you know, and what about that? So, yeah, um, firstly, Kath, Kath Brown. And if anyone's interested, kathbrown.com.au. That couldn't mm-hmm. be easier. Yeah. Um, so Kath's from Sydney. She's a really experienced yoga teacher. She's, been, she's as experienced at yoga as I am at Jiu-Jitsu. Mm-hmm. And she moved from Sydney to Tassie two days before lockdown. So wow. I only just managed to get in. And so that means no more yoga teaching in Sydney, but also no more yoga teaching anywhere. So suddenly the online yoga classes were born and um, so we're able to keep working and so on. And this place we're in now is our home we bought in 2020 and didn't settle until three months ago. There was lots of, everyone in Australia has a retail, oh, sorry, real estate story, you know, and this is yeah. ours. Yeah. But um, So this room though we set up, this this house is um shade over 100 years old and so we had to kind of do a lot of work to get it looking good. Now, this is the studio, so I'm lucky because I get to do a Zoom meeting with you guys in an environment built for it, which Perfect. is pretty cool. I, I like and that. I get to, you know, old mate over here having a sleep and everything. And, I think it's my um, favourite guest environment so far, for sure. <laughs> very <laughs> calm. I'm feeling very peaceful. And do you find, Derry, that um, – because I know they're definitely – I think we've had previously uh, yoga instructors on before and mm. talked about like the link between jiu-jitsu and yoga. How do you find that? Well, it's an interesting one. I mean, I'm I'm really, 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 really unflexible and um, really, really, <laughs> you know, struggle. So when I first came across the idea of yoga, I was like, oh. I mean, I've, I've, I've done yoga classes for a long time off, off and on, but you know, some people have a body that's just built for jujitsu. Like, there's a yoga body too. And it's something that Kath and I were discussing. Like, there are certain poses that Kath can do that I can't. And it's not because I'm too stiff or inflexible. It's because, because of that lack of flexibility, I can't align my skeleton. So if your skeleton doesn't align, and this is true for posture and jujitsu as well, for any white belts out there, if you can't align your skeleton, it means your muscles have to work. And so a pose that, say, cat can hold skeletally, 
or, or more skeletally, I have to hold muscularly, mm. which you get tension, you start to shake, you get fatigued, and that's not resting, right? Mm. So then if we... But if we look at the, you know, the, the traditional yoga with long stretching poses and all those, no, I don't even know the different kinds, so I won't throw fancy words about. But all those different things, I mean, I'm not going to get a lot of benefit from that because the benefit of yoga, as I understanding it, understand it, and this is what Kat's taught me, is it's about not about stretching and pushing, but it's about learning to relax in posture. Mm. So... There's styles of yoga, like yoga nidra is one of them and some of the yin styles and so on, where you aren't necessarily actively moving around. You're not even necessarily in that greater sort of stretch ranges. You're sort of in positions that um, help you to help you to relax. And <clears throat> that's where I find the benefit. And as a side note, there's a, there's a, there's a tie-in between that practice of yoga and the kind of therapy that Kath does it as well, um, that we both, we both do with clients, which is called orthobiomimine. And that sort of flies in the face of a lot of the way people treat stuff. Like, I mean, a lot of students will come up to me and say, I've got this sore or whatever, how do I stretch it? Mm. And I always say, well, I can teach you to stretch that muscle, but why do you want to? And they say, well, it's sore. And I say, why do you think stretching will fix it? Like, I'm not saying stretching doesn't fix it, but I'm saying what where does this assumption that everything is fixed with a stretch come from? Because generally speaking, if I've got, say, inflammation in a muscle somewhere, it's sore, it's angry, if I stretch it, I'm only going to reinforce that feeling Mm. and your body's not going to let go. So generally speaking, what I do when I'm working with a client is I try to find a way to shorten the muscle down, comfort it, take away any tension that I can to allow things to unwind in their own way see in a similar way to what might happen if you sleep you know so your body can let go when you're asleep that sort of thing and of course i do that with clients but you can do it yourself anytime you're uncomfortable after training or whatever you find a posture to sit that's not uncomfortable and you rest into it and you relax into it and so the yoga styles that are beneficial for me follow those patterns you know you might look at relaxing positions that sort of thing of course I'm not looking at doing the splits. So different needs, you know. Sure. That makes total sense, man. Um, also, one of the one of the parts we love to go down in these in these interviews is to find <clears> out <throat> people's entries into BJJ, like from the very beginning. How did you discover it? And then how did you get bitten by the bug? And just tell us a bit about your journey, please. Sure. And yeah, that it ties into a conversation I had with um Neil Campbell, who's one of the black belts at my gym, who you guys are Love me Shout out to Neil. Yeah. He still beats me up all the time, too. The troll. But, um, Does he still troll as much as he used to? Nah, he's, he's much more refined and mature than he was. <laughs> A distinguished gentleman. He's mellowed. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's good. Him and I get to have a lot of great conversations. He's a real um, good friend in that way. Um, his jiu-jitsu no, I mean, is so excellent, I just say. Like, you know, he's just he's always had a knack of just amazing jiu-jitsu. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's ridiculous. He he, he 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 kills whatever I do, even though he's half my size. It's really good. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So in answer to your question, um, like, you know, the, the, the entries to jiu-jitsu, I think, have changed. Like when I started jiu-jitsu 
I definitely got into it because I was very much into self-defense and martial arts and that. And I, I was doing, I've done a lot of different martial arts in my life, but at the time I was mostly doing hat keto, which is like Aikido with kickboxing mixed in sort of thing. And, um, and of course, being so young and naive as I was, I was like, yeah, well, I've got pretty good, you know, straight stand-up skills. So all I need is a little bit of ground kind of thing, you know. And um, there, there was a few scuffles I had in my earlier years where I was on the ground and didn't know what to do. Mm. Um, but I didn't really realise that I needed it till later. Um, I found jiu-jitsu like everyone else did. I watched UFC 1 through 5 on VHS. And a, a guy I know here in Tassie who's never done jiu-jitsu, by the way, but is a martial arts fan, he found those tapes when he was on a holiday in the States in like 92. No, sorry, no, sorry, 2002, somewhere around there. And um, so I watched them when he brought them around. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Didn't think jiu-jitsu was the answer. I just thought that would be a good little addition to what I do. And it's like Hakuto has a lot of submission in it, like a lot of like joint locks and things. So it seemed yeah. like, oh, yeah, I get the same thing. It's just on the ground. And so I um, got looking around and I rang up a guy in the phone book who did jiu-jitsu, but it turned out it was like traditional jiu-jitsu. But I guess he had a few phone calls of the like. So he just said, nah, you don't want me, you want Adam and Clancy. And so it's Adam Newton and Clancy, um, Clancy Roberts. And they were in like a PCYC here. And so I went down there and I got absolutely smashed by those guys. <laughs> and this is like Adam was a blue belt and, um, in those days. And, um, you know, so that, that was where my journey started. And I was training ever since then. The reason I guess I talked about Neil, though, is that one thing I notice is different now is that at that, in those days, I started for self-defense reasons. And basically, the only other people who were training were bouncers, pretty mm. much. And the now people come in, like just the other night, had a new guy come in, wants to start training. I said, cool, what brings you here? And he said, oh, I've just seen the sport online. It looks like a really cool sport, and I want to compete in it. And I was like, wow, like you've even heard of it. That's amazing. Like, Wow. Like, it's like open, it's out there enough that people can come to it from that way. Mm. But it's interesting too, though, because, you know, if I go back to how I run my classes, I want a person who wants to compete as their focus to be looked after. Mm. I want a person who wants to fight in the cage to be looked after. I want the self-defense people to be looked after. I want the people who are human chess masters to be looked after. So that guy is coming in to compete should be able to look after him, you know, and but I want to look after everyone yeah. um, in that way. Knowing your customer is super important, I guess, you know, like Nobody and what, what their intention is. Yeah, and I got it. Absolutely. So, yeah. Jerry, was that? that around, did you say that's around 2002, 2003? Is that yeah, I was thinking yeah. about it. I think I started jiu-jitsu, maybe it was 2001, 2001, 2002, somewhere around there um, I started. Now, it might surprise a lot of people listening now to know, but I started in 2001 or two, don't remember which. I got my blue belt in 2007. So, yes, mine took yeah. at least four years, and then my blue belt took at least four years. It's so good to hear this, man. Well, because people say, like, oh, yeah, I've been training for a year and a bit, so I'm ready for my blue now. And I sort of yeah. think, I won't disagree with that necessarily, because, you know, like I was training with a blue belt. So the, 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 even the opportunity to get promoted was low. So it took yeah. time. I'm not necessarily a very quick learner. 
there's a lot of things about that that were delayed, but it took a long time. Having said that, 2007, I got my blue bill. 2009, I got my purple bill. So, I mean, it was under two years later. Sorry, Anton, he beat you to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, I was a purple belt for a bit over three years and I got a brown belt, but then I was five years before I got my black belt. So it's... Wow, it's able, such a twisted journey, isn't it? You know, yeah, yeah. It's maybe a 16-year journey or something to get my black belt, something like that. Um, I think 16 years. And, like, lots of different changes in focus in that time as well. And, you know, at times in that, I was really keen on competing, other times less so. Um, I mean, on that, I am... A terrible competitor. Like I've had some success, <laughs> but mentally I'm not very good at it. Like I'm me not very too, good brother. Me too. <laughs> Preach. Yeah. I'm right there with you. <laughs> pretty good coach, I think. Like I think I am. I think I'm a pretty good coach, but I don't like. I'm not. There's a there's a switch in you that you need to flick when you compete, and I'm not particularly good at flicking yeah. it in myself. You know. Um, but I, you know, I learned that a long time ago. That that's not. I'm never going to be a um, world, national, state, regional, town champ. It's just not going to happen. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you. But the reason why I still compete is because I am trying to find that switch. You know what I mean? Like I want to actually develop it as a muscle. You know, it's like I'm not going to let this sucker off the hook. Like it's a, it's a little dark area of my life that just keeps evading me is it's to devote themselves to competition there's a lot about competition that's good like um you know making yourself um do those things like if i look back across my competitive career there's a couple of things i've done technique techniques i mean a couple of moves if you want that i've pulled off successfully at almost every belt almost every every time i've competed and if I pull those off all those times, it means I'm pretty well, they're mine. You know, I've mm. pretty much got them. Whereas there's other techniques that I do in the gym, rolling, that I never pull off in a comp. So it's like there's what you know and what you think you know, or there's your comp game versus your other game. And there's, you know, all, all of those little things. And, you know, I certainly have flicked the switch. I know I can flick the switch, but I also know that, I mean, I'm also, when I say not a competitor and not an athlete, there's also an, a physical aspect to that. Like my body's a lot more inclined to break than not. <laughs> so yeah. flicking the switch is likely to get hurt. And there's yeah. less. Flicking the switch has an impact. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I know. All about that. Um, you mentioned oh, yeah. about your shoulder reconstruction. When was that? When did that happen? Um, the actual reconstruction, that was my right shoulder. Um I think that happened in 2006-ish. Like, it was a pretty bad dislocation that I had, um, but it was mm -hmm. very – I had a dislocation that was pretty bad, but it went back in immediately. So mm -hmm. it was a little hard to, to work out what actually happened and mm -hmm. it kept on sort of re-hurting all the time. And that was in, like, 2004. So it wasn't – it was, like, two years before I got the surgery. And mm – -hmm. um, you know, it's like my arm is fully extended and it broke. I just had it out the front. So, like, I tore off the long head bicep tendon and I, you know, munched up all the labrum and, you know, it was, it was a mess. And so there's pins holding it together and stuff now. And that was bad. But I don't think I'd ever looked into any kind of exercise before that. I don't think I'd ever considered how to do strength training. Like, 
So I remember my friend Pete, who's a black belt in Tassie now, Pete Rogers, he was one of the first guys in Australia to do kettlebells, like way mm-hmm. back when. And he came around after I got out of hospital. I was, I was home, you know, having, you know, a few a few sort of a week after I went in, kind of, and he came around with a little baby eight kilo kettlebell and he showed me how to do a swing and said, This is not a shoulder exercise, but it will help. It's a light weight, it'll help you stabilize your shoulder. So as soon as I was out of the strap kind of thing, I started swinging and um, you know, I got into kettlebells, but that sort of thing I gained from that injury and I wouldn't have gained it otherwise because Absolutely. I was just plodding along doing my stuff. And, but, you know, I've broken lots of stuff since and the truth is I probably could have both of my shoulders re- you know, reconstructed again now if I let myself, but I'm trying to work around it so I don't need to. Mm. Um, but my MRIs are um, like a horror movie. <laughs> Yeah, my joints look like um, caves full of stalactites. And, <laughs> and you should have brought these on the show, man. That would have been fun. We could have shared them. Um, going back to the belt thing, like it just, I actually yeah. know a brown belt right now um, who lives in an area where he moved like away from Melbourne and he lives in an area where no one can even grade him because, because he just smashes everybody, right? So, like, the other thing about this journey, like actually even harder than competing for me is getting unattached to belt level. You know what I mean? Like there's some people who know they're a black belt who are just rocking around with their brown belt because, you know, there's not even anyone to grade them, you know, and it's just not that priority for them. I don't even understand that mindset, right? But I, yeah, I, I think it's really important that we, like, like it's so natural to want to be attached to belt and stripes and everything else. But like people like that, inspire me that there's completely different views of jiu-jitsu around belts man but what are your thoughts well it's it's look i've got two answers to that first answer is it's much easier to be zen like and you know and it's not about the belts and that when you're a black belt you know <laughs> like you get your black belt it's like oh it's not about the belt you know <laughs> if i said it was never about the belt for me that'd be a bald-faced lie you know <laughs> yeah absolutely was but there's a certain aspect of belts that is <clears throat> logistical. Like, you know, if the brown belt you're talking about, right, he, he would get a black belt if he focused to get it. It means getting a black belt is about relationships. You know, like if I promoted someone to black belt, it's not just because they're good at jiu-jitsu. It's because they're the person because I trust them because they trust me. You know, it's a relationship thing. Yeah. So if you don't have that, it's hard. Um, but there's like Tasmania is the same as like Australia was a long time ago. It's it's on its own. It's you know secluded. Like you know, Adam Newton was my coach, my first coach. He still is my coach. You know, a lot of ways. And you know, so he was the he was flying the flag of. Tasmanian Jiu-Jitsu, and that meant getting on a plane, flying to Geelong to go to John Wills Academy and training there for a week and then coming back and saying, hey, I've learned three new things, and then we get to play with those three new things because it certainly wasn't streaming video. It certainly was no nothing like that. Mm. Or it was looking at um, books with photos of how the moves worked, and that's like everyone who will know that, you know, a photo of five photos of a technique does not show how it works. And so, yeah, that's a very slow way of learning. And, you know, I couldn't get a blue belt until Adam was a purple belt. 
so he could promote me kind of thing, you know, and when he was around and so on. And it's like they're, 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 those grading questions are very logistical. Mm. You know, I, I got a second degree the other day and so a second degree means you can give a black belt as far as I understand, but I mean, God knows, it depends on you ask. The beauty of jiu-jitsu actually is nobody gets to dictate that to you. Like mm. jiu-jitsu doesn't have an overarching body that's in charge of it. As much as people think it's called IBJJF, I am registered with IBJJF, but no problem with them. But they're just one body, mm. bodies. There's no rules on that. Um, mm. But, you know, like one of the reasons why you keep getting a new stripe on your black belt is so that you can promote people. And if I didn't have two stripes so I couldn't make a black belt, then I'm not doing my students a service. Mm. And if I then didn't have enough stripes to give my black belt student their second stripe so they can promote their student, then I'm doing them a disservice. So it's, it's kind okay. of a, a, like it's there is a logistical reason for it. Never um, thought about that before. Thank you for sharing that, man. That makes a lot of sense. It's just part of the structure of things as such, you know. Mm. Definitely doesn't make me a better grappler, though. <laughs> Oh man, you've been around the traps long enough. I'm sure you've got a lot of sneaky, wily old goat moves. That's, that's what wrist I have. Locks. <laughs> Akito <day>. wrist locks. <laughs> Akito wrist locks. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Oh, good. We are nearly out of time, Jerry. That that time went really quick. Do you mm-hmm. have any parting words, any final thoughts to share with our listeners? Um, look, I just want everyone to say good to everyone and say I hope everyone enjoys their personal journey. I think one thing I noticed has changed a little in jiu-jitsu in the last couple of years, and I don't know if it's good or bad. I'm not going to reserve opinion on it, but the big online kind of forum community type things that have developed, yeah, Facebook and whatnot, around jiu-jitsu are great in that everyone gets to talk to each other and gets to know each other and all that. But I feel like there's a little danger in there in that I, I find that it, there's a bit more um, dictating of opinion about what jiu-jitsu is across, you know, across the, the world. And one of the reasons that I do jiu-jitsu as opposed to just generic grappling, if you like, what reason I like jiu-jitsu is kind of like I said with the belts, th- there's no right way to do it. Whatever your you want to do, and whatever your club wants to do, and whatever else, that's what jujitsu is. And um, like, if someone online who's you know fairly noisy and fairly charismatic and has an opinion starts defining what jujitsu absolutely is, then what they're really saying is, "This is my opinion about what jujitsu is." And so, I guess that's what I tell people: like, don't forget that jujitsu is yours, and it's whatever you want it to be. And my students needn't think that I get to define what jiu-jitsu is for them. Um, and I don't think that, you know, you know, my coach, Tiago, who you guys you guys know very well, he doesn't define to me what my jiu-jitsu is. Like, it shouldn't be that way. So if you're ever, you know, if you're ever hearing, like, people telling you what it's about, what the lifestyle is and what, you know, you should feel like as a jiu-jitsu player, don't, don't forget that it's whatever you want to be. There's, there's no definitive truth, I guess. Is I, love, I love you, man. Sense. That is awesome. That is profound, and it's such an amazing note to end on. I, I really got something for myself in that, man. Thank you so much. Thank you.
Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks, Anton. Awesome. So we'll have this out, um, I think, in a couple of weeks. If you could uh, share it on your platform, that would be awesome to help grow our audience. And, um, yeah, we look forward to seeing you. Tiago is back in Brazil now, but hopefully we can see you around around the traps, come back to Melbourne or, um, yeah, come back down there. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks, Jasper. Thanks for coming on the show, Jasper. (laughs) Kathbrown.com.au. Anybody who wants to. <laughs> Normally we're promoting the jujitsu, but yeah, we can we could do. We can oh, do yeah, and one other thing, um, Hobart Martial Arts Academy is always open to visitors. I, I don't charge fees to guests or anything. Just come and roll. I, I, I love having guests. Yeah. It's usually like it. And the other thing too, doantvalley.com.au. Do, so doantvalleymartialarts.com.au is my second location. So if you're up. Uh, in that region of Tassie, which is a beautiful place. It's a small little group, but we're we're growing to Yeah, yeah. I've been to your club. It's very good, I can attest. So go go join and um thank you once again, Jerry, for giving up your time. And Woo. Jasper. See you everybody. See ya. See ya. Bye.